This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Bob Varsha, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed City. We are excited. We just got to see this fantastic race. And this is John Massengale. I got Jonathan Green and Bob Varsha sitting next to me. What do you think, boys? It's kind of a bit more fun when you're actually here. It is a bit more <laughs> fun. We got a live audience in front of us, and we have we can see the throngs of crowd yeah. right in front of us going to the podium. And if you can hear that boom, boom bass, uh, that's because we're in the middle of a concert right now, above us, on the podium. Yeah, it's right above us. Literally. It's not a concert, it's a DJ. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Good point, Bob. Yeah, fair point. <laughs> oh, tell, tell us how you really feel, Bob. Oh, absolutely. Uh, well, we got to see this race, guys, and, uh, you know, it was, an interesting, it was an interesting take on this because we were thinking that it might be difficult for Max to come through, but he pulled it off. Yeah. Um, go ahead, Bob. Well, I think the, the whole key to Max's race was staying on those hard tires, which he said he discussed with the team yesterday when they came up with the idea, uh, if he could make them last, and he definitely made them last. I mean, he was not only competitive late in his stint. What did he go to? Lap 40, 41, I've forgotten. But he, he snatched back the provisional fast lap of the race on those very, very used hard tires. So it was a brilliant driving job by him. Was it the most exciting race? No. Was it a purist's race? Yes. And was it a spectacle? Beyond question. I mean, what the Miami organizers did here, what they did to the track, the extra seats, everything they did to make this race uh, attractive and interesting to everybody, whether you were interested in music, food, flopping in the pool, uh, or, or being right up against the fence when the Formula One World Championship came to town. It was all of those things and then some. I thought it was... A really good show. I think um, Christian Horner summed it up when he was got on the radio to Max and just said, "Mighty middle stint here at Miami." That that basically was it. Yeah. I mean, in the middle of the race because that's where he won it. Um, was on going long. They gave him freedom to go long. The radio said, "Hey, Max, um, we've looked at the tires. Go for it." Uh, and he did, and that closed the gap. They calculated that it was going to be five seconds between the two of them, and by the time he pushed on, it was one second, and that was all it took. Well, and, you know, we were so excited to see Verstappen come up through the ranks and attack with Alonso, but the Red Bull DRS made that a very uneventful pass when he passed Alonso. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I think, you know, we'll talk to Sean in a moment, but the, the, the purists will have really enjoyed that. It wasn't the most dramatic of races. There wasn't the incidents that we thought there might be. Um, so, you know, I think that's key to this is that it really was something for those that really understand strategy and want to get into that. So it was one for the real Formula One fans today. Uh, a bit like Baku, to be honest. It was a measured race by Red Bull then. Checo had the better of him. And this time... It's the other way around. Yeah, I've said it a million times, but I'll say it again. I mean, if you're just interested in contact and, 
and passing and all that kind of stuff. Interstate 95 is not very far away, and it's always choked with traffic here. But if you wanted mm -hmm. to watch a guy at the height of his powers with a great team behind him and a great car under mm -hmm. him, uh, I mean, what Verstappen did today was, was superb. I mean, in the days of Michael Schumacher, yeah. people would say, ah, oh, Schumacher wins all the races. I said, yeah, but he wins them differently every time. And you're going to want to say you saw this guy at his best. All right. Well, Chris Medland is out grabbing some interviews for us, and I don't know if he's live. Chris, are you with us live right now? Oh, of course I am. Yeah. I'm there he is. You guys say. I'm always listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, give us uh, eyes and ears out there. What's happening? Uh, I'm in the chaos of the kind of mix zones. So where the, uh, the TV pen is, where the drivers go and speak to broadcasters, is in one of the helixes in the corner of one of the stadiums. And then they, uh, they head to see the print media, which is what Charlotte Clerk is currently doing. And then I'll see if I can grab him after that. But uh, a lot of fans then can get fairly close and see across the barrier. Uh, and the, uh, what's chaotic about this now, though, is that they start trying to uh, pack up. Teams are coming through with suitcases and they're taking tires or wheels off the rims and things like that. Uh, all while fans are, are milling around everywhere. So it's just got busy as everyone's come back from the podium. But uh, yeah, good energy down here, as, as it has been all weekend. Yeah, I think that's the, the word of the Grand Prix for at least off the track is the energy of not only the electronic music, but the crowd. It's just been amazing. Mm -hmm. I, I think that Miami have pushed us to the very limit. Uh, and I'm agreeing with Chris here, both pre and post. I was on and in the paddock and on the grid for the pre. And I have to say, I don't know how the guys got, the, got their positions and got everything out amongst the crowd that were right up to the last 10 minutes before, um, you know, they needed to get out of the paddock. And likewise, on the grid, I don't know how they got the cars through uh, the, the, the throng that started to ensue. So, uh, yeah, I think we've taken it to the very limit. And now uh, there's going to be mistakes or problems with a car not making it to the grid if they, if they increase it in even further. But a great performance by the organizers. Yeah, success is relative. Now, Verstappen won because they expected nothing less, and rightly so. But there were a lot of great performances out there. Yep. Fernando Alonso on the podium, age 41, in the Aston Martin. Great drive. George Russell moved up to P4 after some hideous qualifying. Lewis Hamilton drove well. Gasly and Ocon for Alpine, who were absolutely lost in Baku and lost at the beginning of this weekend, suddenly came forward and scored big points. And the Haas team getting into mm -hmm. Q3 and then running in the points. Unfortunately, Nico Hulkenberg fell back. But there was a point there for Kevin Magnuson in 10th place. And, and that is success by their standards. And I think you have to celebrate them for that. Yeah, undoubtedly. And, you know, we talked about the struggles that, uh, that uh, McLaren was having early in the weekend. And it continued. And it never got better for them, guys. That, I mean, well, finishing 17th and 19th. One man's ceiling's another man's floor. For th sure, that's, a, yeah. that's a meltdown almost. I mean, that's not, not good at all. Why don't we bring in the Sultan of Shrewsbury and uh, see what he had the to say. The Sultan about. of Shrewsbury. Wow. <laughs> uh, Meal Brace, I think. The, well, the, yeah. Stat, well, stat man, Sean Kelly. What, what do you think, Sean? Well, um, that gentleman might have been the most perfect um, unhindered race we've ever had in history because there were no retirements there were no yellow flags there were no safety cars there were no red flags um that's incredible i don't think i don't think we've ever had that in a formula one grand prix we've had we've had all of those things happen individually mm. but we've never had everything run completely unblemished all the way through a race as far as i, I can recall never as in never yeah. As, well, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to stick my neck out because records aren't, aren't kept in terms of electronic, right. you know, light fittings from the 1950s. Right. Um, but um, it is the 14th retirement-free race we've ever had in Grand Prix racing. So we're already down. So we already narrow it down to those 14. Um, and the fact that we didn't have any yellows. I mean, the only other um, equitable situation, remarkably, was Monaco in 2021, when the only retirement of the race was when Valtteri Bottas took three days to get the front wheel off because <laughs> the wheel nut seized up. Yeah. Um, and he was the only retirement. But the entire Monaco Grand Prix ran without a single yellow flag, let alone a safety car or a red. And today we've had that again. Um, and they were well, over and done with in an hour 27, right, which is extraordinary. So the, the elapsed time of the race had to be... Minimal, 90 yeah. minutes, less than that 90 was, minutes. Yeah, it was literally, that was as quick as that race could have happened today. There was absolutely no uh, hold-ups or anything. Um, and when you look at qualifying, which preceded it, obviously, 
Um, you would have predicted, and I certainly said it myself this morning, that it was going to be crazy out there. But yeah, it yeah. I mean, it, it, we always say, you know, safety cars breed safety cars, cautions breed cautions, um, and and this is a good example of once they all settle down. Um, you know, things just carry on as normal. And I, th- I think, you know, that it's only once you get one incident that uh, incidents tend to sort of pile up. And we saw that in Australia, didn't we? Um, but uh, we had the exact opposite here. We had everything run almost in scientific laboratory conditions. Mm-hmm. I wonder, I would love to see, you know, Monday morning at the factory, if the, the simulations that they ran, how close they were to what the actual result was. And incidentally, this was a remarkably similar race to Jeddah in terms of what we ended up with. We had the same front row, with the same cars finish, um, for, well, same car, same three drivers on the podium, same driver in fourth, same driver in seventh, same two cars from the same Alpine team in eighth and ninth, same driver in tenth, same driver in eleventh. I can't. It was almost like Jeddah and Miami. I think they, you know, they should probably be twin cities from now on. <laughs> well, we were just talking about McLaren and what a poor day they had. And Chris Medlin caught up with Lando Norris just a few minutes ago, about five minutes ago. So let's hear from Lando Norris. Lando, they looked tough out there. There wasn't a single yellow flag in that race. No retirement, kind of nothing dramatic. So from your point of view, is that the worst that could have happened? Um, pretty much, yes. Uh, yeah, made it the toughest race we could have had. But um, I don't think it would have uh, changed too much anyway. We were, we were just very slow today. We had no pace. We couldn't uh, achieve anything. We couldn't race people. So, uh, yeah, I don't wow. know how much it would have helped us. We would have needed a lot, a lot, a lot of luck for anything to go our way, but... We did our best we could, just uh, not our day at all. Just gambled on the soft to try and make something happen, was it, at the start? No, we didn't gamble on anything. Uh, we had a good start, going three positions, they got hit into turn one and taken off. Um, no, no gambles, just a uh, good strategy. Unlucky, cheers. Wow, that's got to be depressing. Yeah, he sounded depressed. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan, I want to ask you about Aston Martin. I mean, and, and uh, you know, kind of where they where this puts them right now. Well, let me just put it in a, a context of, of time, really, because they go back to England tonight after a long trip of two weeks, and they're going to open a new factory, and they're sitting second in the championship, six points ahead of the factory team, with only that factory team and Ferrari to stop them from continuing that form. Alonso is no question about it in a league of his own when it comes to the new Alonso with this car. Stroll is there or thereabouts, and there's no reason now you can't seriously take Aston Martin's quest to be at least second in the championship as on now. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, um, last year they scored 55 points in the season. They're already up to 102 in the first five races this season. I mean, Alonso, Alonso, for his part, he's now got more podium finishes in the first five races than he scored in his previous seven seasons of Formula One put together. So it's the renaissance of Fernando Alonso, the Indian summer, if you will. And that's uh, seven seasons of participation because he also had that two-year layoff yes. in there. Yes, I'm not including the hiatus right. um, when he was not racing in Formula One at all. So uh, it's been a long time coming, not since you know 2013, really, have we seen Alonso in this ascendancy. Although we will get to the next race at Imola uh, and it will 10 years will have passed since Alonso's last win. So he didn't quite get He was hoping, probably hoping to win today and not have that on his shoulders 10 years without a win. And can you imagine the German press now uh, on Toto Wolf saying, you know, the little team that could, Jordan originally, and yes. all the way through now to Racing Point and now Aston Martin. And I know that Lawrence Stroll has put a lot more money and a lot more uh, ideas behind him. But this is incredible because Alonso himself is in the championship hunt as well. And again, is ahead of Lewis Hamilton in fourth place by some margin. And, you know, their battles were famous back in McLaren days. Um, but Alonso really is in a position to take it again to the rest of the field, taking out Red Bull for a second. Amazing, amazing, absolutely yeah. amazing. Yeah. Hey, let's check out with Chris Meadon outside. Hey, Chris, what's going on, buddy? Well, it's, uh, people are flowing from the paddock as it was, the, uh, the space behind the pit garages, into the uh, football stadium again. So uh, it's livening up on the field. But I did manage to grab a word running along that paddock a little bit ago with one of the drivers of one of the teams that Johnny was just talking about. Um, one who had a good day, I'd say, George Russell, getting up to fourth place. So uh, I managed to grab him. And this, this is the reality of life as a Formula 1 driver sometimes. Well, even life as an elite athlete. Check out the start of this, uh, this clip. 
going to get George on the walk and talk and he can walk quicker than I can but uh, what a good race I'm walking quick because I've been summoned to doping and normally if you get there behind any other drivers thank you cheers if you get there behind any other drivers you've got to wait a long long time so I'm trying to beat uh, I think it's Carlos and someone else who have the other other drivers summoned well we'll, we'll, we'll walk quickly but uh, how happy are you with that performance Carl looked really good in race trim yeah I was really really pleased probably the most satisfying race of the season um especially making those overtake stick it was a bit of an unknown on the dirty part of a track beating the Ferraris hang on one time to see my guys cheers guys nice one cheers uh, you know beating the Ferraris on, on merit not a million miles away from Fernando was uh, was a good one but clearly we still have work to do well yeah and uh, some of those moves though which was your, your favourite out there yeah probably the one on Carlos that was a little bit f- further away uh, making it stick it was a pretty decisive one because unsure if I'd have been able to pass him uh, thereafter well you're trying to race him now so I'll let you go cheers cheers <laughs> the race for the whiz <laughs> good luck in doping but um, yeah, you got to get a sample together and that's just standard operating procedure oh yeah, it is absolutely what, yeah. does anybody know what they test for what they race. test actually for uh, any kind of PED or performance enhancing drugs and those the, the list is a long one and I'm not a pharmacist, so I won't even begin to try to describe them all. But, you know, while we're on the subject, it's kind of interesting as to what sort of enhancement, Yeah. no moral judgment, what sort of moral enhancement would help a racing driver? None. As opposed to a football player or a, yeah, good uh, question. You know, a gymnast or, or whatever. You know, it's you know, mental sharpness is so much a part of it. It's like, I can't mm. imagine any of these drugs doing anything but hurting that you know I, but i don't know maybe there's some you know something we don't know about but. well i just i mean they are athletes at the end of the day so sure. i think you've got to look at it in olympic terms which is stuff that helps the muscles non for not to fatigue as quickly uh because it is very strenuous the heat etc um so yes there are certain things that you could but no not um anything that was mind stimulating would be crazy yeah All right, well, let's just uh, take a break real quick, and when we come back, we'll bring you more live from Miami after the Miami Grand Prix. Back after this. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers, the best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built, Ducati. Even take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin, online at DucatiAustin.com. Winding Road Racing is your first and best choice for all the essentials for a great weekend at the track. We're racers, and we love helping racers. With a full selection of racing gear in stock, get geared up with all the safety equipment needed to meet all the latest Snell FIA and SFI regulations. Outfit your car with a comprehensive lineup of racing necessities, and when you need to find a few more tents, turn to data acquisition systems from AIM Sports, V-Box, and others. Austin-based with shops in California, Georgia, and Kentucky. The source for all your racing needs. Winding Road Racing. WindingRoadRacing.com. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Hi, this is Max Steppen, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to Speed City. We're live in Miami in the Chase Sapphire Lounge. And uh, this is John Maskell, Bob Varsha, Jonathan Green, and Statman Sean Kelly. And we got Chris Medlin. And speaking of Chris Medlin, he caught up with Otmar Safnauer just a few minutes ago. And we will hear from Otmar now. Otmar, you wanted to get both cards saved to the finish. Double points were on the cards. Double points is what you got. How happy are you with the way you executed that race? Yeah, it, it was good. I think uh, we're just lacking a, a bit of pace. Had we been one or two tenths quicker, we could have been further up the road. But yeah, both of the points is great. Uh, we'll work hard on adding a, a bit more downforce to the car soon. And uh, yeah, look forward to the rest of the season. If we can do this every time, we'll be in good shape at the end. Yeah, Pierre's race looked like it promised a little bit more than, than it ended up with the, with the way he kind of slipped backwards a little bit today. Yeah, we see he slipped backwards towards the end. There's some tire differences towards the end. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he was he was fighting with Lewis and Leclerc. And, uh, you know, when you're up there fighting with the Mercedes and the Ferraris, that's pretty good. Well, well done today. Got to be a happy camper. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Absolutely. But like any team principal... Otmar Safnauer of Alpine is looking ahead. Yeah, cars, he enjoyed that. Loaded into the boxes yet. And what do we have to change now? We're going to Imola. Yeah, he, he enjoyed the moment very briefly and is moving on. All right, well, Chris caught up with some other folks. In fact, he caught up with Yuki Sonoda. Let's hear from Yuki. Yuki, in a race that not a huge amount happened in terms of incidents or yellow flags, interruptions, you, you made a lot happen, it looked like, out there. You had a pretty feisty race, great move towards the end. How did it feel in the car? Yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of car performance, I felt quite good. Uh, pretty surprising, to be honest, considering the qualifying pace. But yeah, able to overtake um, quite a lot, especially in the braking. And I felt quite confident in the braking, so able able to kind of send into the to the car. But yeah, um, surprised that I heard uh, no, there was not much overtaking because uh, I mean it was it was definitely difficult to overtake because the RS zone was quite short, but. I did uh, quite a lot, so yeah, I enjoyed it, yeah. I, I know, finishing 11th must hurt a little bit, just outside the points. Were you eyeing up Magnussen in those closing stages? You were bringing the gap down. Yeah, I was uh, so close, and I, I thought at one point I, I made a P10, so a bit shame that I, I, was, I, I was P11 again, but yeah, I was really close. At the same time, I got pressure from a show behind, so in the end, I maximized the performance in, in the end, so I'm pretty happy with it. And you also had that driver introduction at the start of the race with the crowd che cheering as everyone was introduced. How was that? You know, what did you make of the atmosphere and the energy here today? Oh, definitely it was special and I uh, felt really like kind of Formula 1 driver and uh, yeah, definitely a special experience. Great stuff, thank you. It made me feel like a Formula One driver. Yeah, I don't think, I don't <laughs> think he's even convinced himself yet, uh, even though it's his third season. Gotta <laughs> love the guy. Uh, Sean, what were you going to say about Yuki Tsunoda? Well, it's a frustrating time to be Yuki Tsunoda. Last six races, he's finished 10th twice, um, and he's finished 11th every other time. He must oh. be getting tired of finishing one place outside the points every week. Yeah. He said something interesting when he said there wasn't much passing because the DRS zones are too short. That's deliberate on the part of the officials because, as Ross Braun explained it, the head of, uh, of F1 operations, the DRS was never meant to allow you to pass somebody like he was tied to the ground. You, you're supposed to be able to catch up to a guy and then set him up for a pass in the traditional way. You're not supposed to be able to just blow by. And, and Yuki, who is still a very young man, third season, um, you know, he's, he may get the whole DRS thing all wrong. You know, the wing is open. I'm supposed to go by him. You know, well, not necessarily. Yeah, and, and maybe this is they're shortening these... these uh 
these the DRS, DRS zones. zones. Yeah. And this is the Red Bull effect, I think, maybe, well, you know, partially. And yeah. the, the other thing to think about on that one, and there's been quite a lot written about it over this weekend, is that they did change the zones both at Baku and here at Miami with no consultation with the drivers, and they're not happy about it because... It's a double-edged sword. Longer makes it maybe more boring. Shorter makes it more overtakes. But is it is it right? <laughs> well, I think in Baku, it maybe it was a little bit of a snooze. But I thought here there was good, some good racing today. I, you know, I, I, yeah, do, I, so. I do. I'm not an advocate of having 180 position changes a race. You know, because then it does, they don't mean anything. No, we have Formula E for that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no comment. But, um, but yeah. from the do commentator, you that, do you think that there's a little bit to what I was speculating about about the Red Bull effect of, about Red Bull being so strong this year? Yeah, I mean Red Bull make it look so easy. I mean they, they had t with the DRS open in Baku, they had 23 miles an hour on Charles Leclerc. I mean they, they they really were passing him like he was nailed to the ground. I mean if you if you if someone hit you with a car traveling at 23 miles per hour, you'd be in hospital. And he, they're just flying past these cemetery. Cars. Yeah, potentially. So, you know, these are huge, huge margins, yeah. but only for the Red Bulls, it seems. It seems everybody else is uh, uh, it's a little bit more difficult. Well, Do like we... the old unfair uh, advantage that um, Mark Donahue wrote the book about. Um, I mean, this is Formula One. This is supposed to be about excellence. And if you design a car, it's going to lap the field five times. That's supposed to be what it's all about. You know, it's not supposed to be, well, let's let's play with the rules and so we keep everybody all bunched up. I mean, look at qualifying. Under these rules, qualifying was, what, the second closest qualifying session we've had in Formula One history. 1.2 yep. seconds from front to back. That's That tells you something. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it really is it's the, the good old days, as, we, as like people like to wax lyrical about. I mean, right. when Prost and Senna were driving that McLaren Honda MP4 in 1988, I mean, uh, Imola that year, the third place car was 3.3 seconds away from pole. So now, you know, the whole grid is one third that, that time interval. Right. The entire grid, not, not just to second to third place. Yep. Yeah, it's becoming more and more like a 100 meter sprint in athletics. I mean, you, you know, the margin's becoming tinier and tinier, mm. but the same guy sometimes, like Usain Bolt, yeah. wins the race. Yeah, I mean, it, it, as I said, today was such a clinical Grand Prix with no interruptions. You know, I feel like the, the simulators, will, but this is the most accurate portrayal of a Grand Prix that they may have had, ever had in a simulator. But, but it, it, speaks, it speaks volumes to how little, you know, how well they execute. You know, there's no fumbles on pit lane, strategy works out correctly and so on. They minimize any chance of error. Um, so that's why we end up uh, in the situation that we're in. Uh, I want to talk about Logan Sargent because uh, Chris, yeah. Chris, he did not uh, have a, a great weekend uh, and yeah, finishing, finishing 20th. And uh, Chris caught up with him just a few minutes ago. Logan, your first time race and one where there wasn't actually a lot of drama to help you get back into it after you had to make that early pit stop. What happened there? Yeah, I put the car in a place I shouldn't have on lap one and took the front wing off and had to had to box early on that to get on that hard tire and run it for the rest of the race. Um, yeah, I mean, gonna have to take it on the chin and move on. I think the hard stint at the end wasn't wasn't too bad considering we took it 54 laps. We were a bit conservative on the balance to start the race, so I kind of persevere with that throughout the race and use my tools to try and get it in a better window. But yeah, all things considered, I think I managed it well from from that first pit stop and. Yeah, it is what it is. Well, yeah, the race didn't really come to, but if we just look at the weekend of the whole, like, how's the experience been of your first home Grand Prix? It must be tough to reflect on right now, I imagine. Yeah, it's 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 been a tricky weekend as a whole. Um, you know, it just hasn't come very easily to me, and um, it was it was difficult. But at the same time, I really enjoyed the whole weekend. Um, just gotta just gotta move on to the next. Well, thank you for speaking to us. Good luck. Yeah, a 22-year-old, he's, he's really mature about this, isn't yeah. he? But he's being too hard on himself, you know. this It's a learning process. Nobody goes out and wins in their first five races. But, you know, these guys are so competitive. That's that's what, that's what their DNA is to be competitive, and they want to be great immediately. Yeah. Right. The, the one positive yeah, like I can tell you, say he used, Sorry, I was going to say, he used some more colorful language just before I hit record on that when I kind of went, <laughs> as I was setting up for it, and I went, you know, what happened? And, uh, yeah, he was much harsher on himself off mic. Yeah. So that, that was, was really, the, uh, the toned-down version. Uh, very discreet of you. The good news is for Logan Sargent is he, he has actually finished every race. So at least he's getting the mileage. I mean, you can't develop as a driver if you're yep. off in the hedge somewhere. Yeah, so that's, that's right. at least progress. I yes. Like off in the hedge. I'm going to use that. <laughs> uh, who no else hedges guys here, though, are there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there's not. There might be some fake hedges, maybe. <laughs>
Mm. Uh, so we talked to Yuki. We, t- we haven't talked about Botas and uh, and Joe Guan Yu. Um, well, Alpha took a step. Yeah. You know, they made yeah, Q3. So everybody, each team has made Q3 at least once. Um, so, you know, all is not lost. Uh, rather mm. like the Ferrari factory team, Alpha, you know, seems to lose something when the race goes on. You know, a couple of dozen laps and suddenly they're not as competitive. Yeah. Um, I mean, Bottas has been outside the points in the last four races. I mean, they had such a great start last year. Yeah. And then it kind of dropped off the table for them a little bit. And they came out, you know, they came out the gates, uh, they came out the gates well last year. Since then, not so much. Um, I mean, Granny Joe, uh, he was in the points in where? Australia, I think it was. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been a bit average from Alfa Romeo. Neither, neither one thing nor the other. I wonder if they're, uh, you know, sort of easing off the throttle now since they know that big changes are coming when Audi moves in for 2026. Quite possibly. I mean, maybe they're, they're in a sort of interregnum between right. the previous regime and what's coming forth. But I mean, it's, 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 so, it's so typically cyber, isn't it? Just to be sort of just there, um, but, but without, without necessarily being last or first. They're just sort of in the middle somewhere. Just looking ahead to Imola and just looking at how we're kind of getting pockets of battles now. We've got a 14-point uh, gap between Max and Perez, so that will roll on into uh, Imola. Alonso is only 30 points off Perez, and they're talking about upgrades coming um, for Imola as well. Hamilton, 19 behind Alonso, and Carlos Sainz, just 11 uh, behind Hamilton. Russell and Leclerc also in a good six-point uh, deficit between the two of them. So there's a lot of reason going into Imola for the likes of Leclerc, certainly against Russell, and obviously trying to catch his teammate, um, to, to kind of individualize it, pocket it a little bit, and stop worrying about the Red Bulls, and just kind of concentrate on beating the guy in front of you. And yeah. we've got another sprint race coming up at Imola, do we not? Uh, yes. No, no, not this time. No, no. 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 Last year, that last, last year, year yeah. Austria, isn't it? Yeah, it was last year that we ran the sprint at Imola. Right. So that's what you'd be thinking Austria. With. You're not alone okay. in being confused by that, Bob, though, because Fred Vasseur mentioned after the last race that, that there was one coming up, and that's why Ferrari won't do big upgrade steps. He's like, a sprint at Imola, then it's Mon- Monaco where you don't really do upgrades, so Spain will be the next one. And I was there going, hang on, I swear we're not doing one this year. So <laughs> the calendar is so packed and it all changes so regularly that I think, uh, yeah, even different team members are forgetting. Well, further proof of any was needed that great minds think alike. All right, guys, let's get a quick <laughs> break. And when we come back, we are going to uh, see who Chris is hunting down out there. You're listening to Speed City Live in Miami. Back after this quick break. Hey guys, we are very excited to welcome our new sponsor, Allstop Brewery, to Speed City. These guys make a fantastic beer, and I'm going to let Jonathan talk about it, but I'm going to tell you about it. When I tasted it, I am not a big beer aficionado. I like a nice cold beer, but I'm always worried about a craft beer or a new beer that it's going to have a funky taste, especially aftertaste. This beer was fantastic. I have absolutely no... Uh, no qualms at all that this is my new favorite beer. But Jonathan, you know why, what makes it so special, the water and the recipe? Well, yeah, I mean, these guys have done their research and do it right. And they've even imported the right water to do it right. I mean, I tell you, this Alstad beer, fantastic. And I'm, uh, you know, most Europeans are snobs about their beer. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm definitely one of those. Because, You're definitely a snob? Yes, okay. about my beer. Okay. Uh, <laughs> because there's no question, carbonation has always been my issue here in the States. It's overcarbonated. And our lagers, our pilsners and lagers in Europe, um, uh, especially German ones, are not that heavily carbonated. And that's a key thing. And that's the first thing that uh, hit me was just how well they've done the beer. Uh, it's based out of Fredericksburg. It's, uh, it's got a great tie-in because, obviously, Fredericksburg, a German town, and now they've got a Texas German beer, and it's cracking. Yeah, and the uh, the facility out there, it's amazing. They've, they've really done it right. It's really fantastic. So so check it out. You can get it at all the local HEBs and everything else, right? Yep. Uh, it's around all around Texas. You can get it. Uh, they sell it in... Uh, uh, on on the shelf there as a Texas beer, but uh, I'll tell you what, you're in, right back in Germany when you drink it. And it's Altstadt Beer, A-L-T-S-T-A-D-T, beer.com. Altstadt Beer, A-L-T-S-T-A-D-T, beer.com.
Hello to everyone. This is Gunther Steiner. This is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, boys. Let's see what else we got. Chris Medlin, he, I think he actually ran to do an interview, if I'm not mistaken. You know, we've touched on the Haas team, but they, they look quick this weekend, and they got a point at Magnuson finishing 10th and Hulkenberg finishing 15th. Um, Sean, what do you think? you think we're seeing some progress with Haas F1 right now? Well, I mean, it's slow and steady, isn't it? Um, I don't think any of us thought when, when Magnussen was starting fourth on the grid that we thought that that was indicative of where they would finish the race unless there was me- the mayhem. Um, but, you know, a, a point, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly better than nothing. Um, his second point's finish of the year for Kevin Magnussen. Um, and, what, fourth, uh, third point finish in the last four races for Haas. So, you know, that's uh, the, the green shoots of recovery. They're another team who, of course, came out the blocks very quickly last year, like Alfa Romeo. Yeah. Uh, and then maybe fell back. Which I think, right. you know, I, I'm somewhat speculating here, but I, I think uh, the cost cap really helps the smaller teams prepare for a new season. But over the course of the long slog of a season, that's when you see the big juggernaut teams that can really sort of step things up. So um, it's important probably for Haas to get uh, points in the bank right now. But of course, they have a big money uh, title sponsor now. So maybe the budget is there to keep this going through the season. Well, I'll play devil's advocate just a little bit on that because, you know, I know that we didn't expect Magnuson to finish fourth. But I kind of expected him to finish maybe eighth, or, eighth or ninth. Maybe I, I did think he had a bad first lap. I think he, yeah, he, he, had he a definitely, start. yeah, he, he was reversing start. through the field through that first lap. Uh, he'd probably be kicking himself. Yeah. Uh, well, it's pretty exciting doing the live show here in the Chase Sapphire Lounge here in Miami, and it's nice having a uh, a live audience. But yeah, it's great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're getting some selfies done. People are <laughs> dancing around. It's good. Make, make sure really you nice. post that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so what about, you know, we, we haven't talked about much about Ferrari. Nope. You know, and <laughs> that says it all. Yeah, <laughs> there you go, exactly. Hey, Carlos Sainz finishing fifth and Leclerc down in seventh. Bob Marsha, what do you think? Well, I think Ferrari is still, you know, in a, in a muddled situation. They're quick, just not quick enough. Uh, and as I said, they, they seem to have the one-lap pace in qualifying down pretty well, but somehow it all goes slightly awry. I mean, they're not falling to the back of the pack, but they're... They, they just don't seem to be as competitive uh, in the race. And you know, everybody talks about their tire management or lack thereof and how hard the car is on its tires. Um, I don't know. I, you know. Again, a middling result for them uh, by their standards. And, uh, you know, the pressure will just continue to build from here. Mm. When are you going to win again? When are you going to take a pole again? And- I, I think it was a pretty dreadful result, really. I mean, because, you know, you look at Carlos Sainz, who had that penalty added on at the end. I mean, he was oh, across right, the yeah. line. That five across, seconds. Yeah, yeah, across the line, he was still 37 seconds behind the winner. And yeah. he was the lead Ferrari. I mean, Charles Leclerc, I mean, where was he today? I mean, he, he finished in the same position that he started. But we all thought, yeah. you know, after crashing in Q3, yeah. we thought him and Verstappen are out of position. We knew Verstappen was going to move through the field. Right. But we also would have expected it to a lesser extent with Charles Leclerc. Yeah. And it yep. didn't happen. No, it didn't. So I wonder what if he was wrong. Was he gun shy after two crashes in virtually the same place? In practice and in qualifying. Possibly. I don't know. Yeah, but it's not not a race that Ferrari will care to remember. I hate to say it, but we've got to look at Ferrari as a building year again. And I know that sounds ridiculous because that's never Ferrari's quest. But this is a post-Bonotto Vassa year where he is getting his reins. There's a lot of change in the background, or has been, um, with other Sanchez and Miki's going and all the rest of it. So Vassa is going to have to build his own team bit by bit over this season. He's yeah. got yeah. two great drivers. We know that. One of which is capable capable of taking fastest laps at pretty much any Grand Prix. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and of course, I mean, Leclerc was on pole in, in Baku as well. So, you know, there, there was, there's the, the, it has the ability to yeah. be quick. Right. Um, it just, they, they certainly, for whatever reason, it did not happen today. Yes. Can I ask a question? Did anybody but me notice an Englishman singing? I was going to say, that was my favorite radio message from George Russell. I, I just love the man. He's taking Britishness to a, a new level. Uh, We're almost most interesting, like. National. Yes, yeah, yes. He did have some, uh, some China teacups for the coronation in the car, probably. George I think Paul. so, rattling away. Yeah. This is yeah. how we roll as he went into third. I love that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Was, that was Tidy's best result of the year because uh, yeah. he was P4 in Jeddah, yeah. P4 in the Azerbaijan sprint as well. Um, so, you know, that, I think that's realistically the best he could have got out of that car um, uh, for Mercedes today. Hey, Chris. There was, there was some, 
Go Chris ahead. Medlin, do you have, uh, is your microphone hot out there? Uh, it is, it is because I can hear you. Uh, I was actually trying to sniff out Toto Wolf. Sorry about that. Uh, who is in engineering right now. So I'm going to try and get him when he comes out of the debrief. Because I want to get the Mercedes perspective as a team. Because, I mean, Toto wasn't exactly chatty on the grid, was he? He knew it was no. a little bit uh, a little bit tough for Mercedes this weekend so far. So I think he'll be much more upbeat uh, if I can grab him. But uh, I did get his old adversary, who he's probably looking at yep. with sickening jealousy at the moment, Christian Horner. So... Uh, I managed to get the Red Bull team boss to chat about, well, what pretty much a perfect weekend for them. Christian, middle of this stadium, there's music pumping outside, um, a party I'm sure you want to get to at the moment because another one, two in the can and done so impressively. Just how happy, you, how happy are you with the way you executed that race? Oh, look, a brilliant race, uh, great performance by the whole team. I mean, Max's middle stint was quite outstanding. Um, and so to get our fifth victory... Fourth one-two finish. You know, we couldn't have dreamt of that. You know, before the season. Any trepidation when you were letting the two race in that final stint? I guess you really wanted Max to get that pit stop and get out ahead, so there was no fighting needed on track, didn't you? Well, we discussed it before the race and said, "Look, guys, at some point you're bound to come across each other. But, but if you do, keep it clean and, and race. You know, with respect for the team and for each other. And, and they they did exactly that today. And uh, it was firm racing, but fair racing between the two of them. Yeah, were you surprised at the progress Max made so quickly? I mean, I know you've got a, a car that can do that, but on this track that looked tricky, we thought there'd be incidents, and it, it just seemed so clean from him. That was remarkable. I mean, he, even when he was in traffic, he never dropped more than five and a half seconds behind the leader, and that was crucial for his race today, and I think that he was very efficient how he came through the field. Uh, and then, obviously, between lap 20 and 42, his pace was so strong on tyres that were 20 laps older than Checo. Is that where was where he did the damage so when he put the mediums on and was only a couple of seconds behind you know with 10 laps to go it was or 12 laps to go that was you know he'd already done the hard work well it was great that we saw your two drivers racing for the win and giving us something to watch but it, there wasn't a lot of drama in the race today there weren't any yellow flags i think no interruptions no retirements you know is, is something missing here with the circuit what do you put that down to sometimes you get races like that you know and then uh, then in the next race there could be yellow flags, red flags, the whole lot, you know. So, so every chapter of the book is slightly different. And a lot of talk about other teams and their upgrade package trying to chase you guys down. What's your upgrade plan looking like? Are you heading to Imola with some new parts as we get back to racing in Europe? Well, you know, we're having to pick and choose what we're, where we apply the parts. So with the, the penalty that we're carrying, um, uh, you know, with, the, with the, the restriction in development time, um, you know, we have to be very selective with that. So uh, I'm sure our update will perhaps be more modest than uh, than others. Does it worry you at all, though, with the car you've got? I mean, you just look imperious right now. Well, you just never know. You just got to do the best job you can with the tools that you have. And I think the team are doing such a wonderful job. You know, such strength and depth that we have in the team across all areas. And home race for Oracle, one two. It's a big party for Red Bull tonight here. Well, it was great to have Larry uh, Ellison and. Uh, you know, Safra Katz with us this weekend and uh, it was their first race with us and um, for them to come and see and uh, you know for Safra it's her first ever Grand Prix so for her to come and experience that you know it's a great advert for, for Formula 1 for, and for Oracle Rebel Racing Do I see Jim Farley here as well from Ford? Jim, Jim's been with us all weekend learning about you know how we work and operate and he's such a racing enthusiast he's a, a great guy to have with us and you know there's big plans in, uh, in, in the pipeline for for 26. Looks like he's picked well based on today. Well done. Jim Farley nice is really a fun guy, isn't he? He seems like a fantastic CEO. But yeah, Sean is. Is, is about to come out of his chair. He's got a stat for us. Well, it, not a stat, but just backing up what Christian said about what he called the middle stint of that race. Well, of course, there wasn't really a middle stint because only, Verstappen only one stopped in the race. Right. Um, what he's referring to there, I think, is the, is the 25 laps between when Perez stopped and when Verstappen stopped. Because right. Perez was in on lap 20. Verstappen made his stop on lap 45. Now, in that 25-lap period, the idea would be Perez pits, puts brand-new tyres on, and then instantly starts closing the gap on Verstappen all the way up to the point when Verstappen himself pits for his new tyres. On lap 21, uh, Perez was 18.6 seconds behind Verstappen. So he rejoined 18.6 seconds behind. You'd think he would close up, wouldn't you? But if I look further down my notes to lap 45 when Verstappen pits, he had closed the gap by a net of 0.3 seconds. That's how Verstappen won this race, by right. maintaining that pace in the middle stint on those used tyres 
And even though Perez had new tyres, he could not Couldn't. actually um, get... I mean, he did make some inroads early on, yeah. but Verstappen ended up uh, hitting back later in the stint, and that's what won him the race. And Perez was on hards. Verstappen switched to mediums. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, so that gave... So, of course, with Verstappen in, in touching distance, you knew, yeah. really, the writing was on the wall when he came out so close behind Perez that, yeah. really, Perez realistically couldn't, couldn't offer up anything in terms of defence. Yeah. Hey, Chris, are you still on? I certainly am, and I've actually just got uh, a man we were talking about a little bit ago, Fred Vasseur, who's always great with his time with us. Thank you, Fred. Uh, looked like a, a tough weekend, solid results still, with points with both cars, but looked like the pace to go with Mercedes and Aston was lacking in the race. Is that how you saw it? Not really. I think that uh, we were able to match with them, but uh, not consistent enough over the race. And uh, we had a good uh, first part of the race with, uh, with Carlos. He was matching... Uh, Fernando on the first stint and uh, with Charles on the last part of the race, but even during the same stint that we were a bit too inconsistent. But, uh, but we have also to consider uh, both sides of the situation, the positive and the negative. Positive, it looks that we are able to have the, a good pace when we are putting everything together. The downside is that we are too much inconsistent. Does it make it your job then is to work out how to get the most out of this car? It's not necessarily about improving it or developing it. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, for sure, we'll bring updates. It's, uh, uh, we have to. We have always room for improvement on the update, and we'll bring update in Imola. But uh, I think when you have a look on the, on the race today, it's much more about to be able to extract the potential of the car. We are able to do it on uh, some occasions, as the one lap or even the race that. Uh, if you have a look on the on the on the trace of the race, that we are not nowhere on some laps, and uh, some laps are much more difficult. And, uh, this is the first target: is to understand why we are so inconsistent. And obviously, Charles had that mistake in qualifying yesterday that meant he started out of position compared to where he could have been. Is is it fine margins as well with yourselves and Aston and Mercedes? What is true is that when you are in a situation that I don't want to speak about Verstappen because he was on a probably on another planet today. But uh, when you are into the group, sometimes for a couple of tens or for a mistake, if you are out of position, it's very difficult to come back. And uh, you can change the weekend completely and flip the situation for almost nothing or that details that you can see that some cars are moving uh, out of Q1 to be on the Q3 the week after. And, uh, and by the way, it's also difficult when you are fighting in this group. That's, uh, for us, we have to be much more consistent. I think it's the first target. Well, that's something you're learning, though, isn't it? We were talking about it on the show earlier. This is your first season in this job. You can't change things overnight. Kind of, are you still in that learning phase, trying to pick up what needs improving, what needs changing, I guess? Yeah, but I think this, it's true for every single team in F1, but uh, it's a continuous improvement system. And uh, I think it doesn't matter if you are into the team for six months, one year or two weeks. You have to keep this mindset and uh, for sure, it's perhaps a bit more difficult for me today, but uh, I want—I don't want to take it as an excuse or the main topic that uh, we have to be focused on how we can improve the situation. And I don't care about the, the, the rest. Well, the motivation couldn't be higher though with the next race, could it? Off to Imola. Yeah, for sure. But uh, we don't need to be in Imola to be motivated. <laughs> well, good luck uh, for getting things turned around for the triple header. Thank you, Fred. Uh, nice job, Chris. All right, let's go to a break. And when we come back, Jonathan, you've got a little tweet that you want to read because yeah. I, I spotted you reading that and I thought it was fascinating. All right, you're listening to Speed City. We're live in Miami from the Chase Sapphire Lounge. We'll be back after a quick break. Motivation USA, catering to the sport bike enthusiast looking for truly unique parts and accessories. Stand out from the crowd. Motivation is the exclusive North American distributor for SC Project MotoGP inspired exhausts and the largest Rizoma retailer in the United States. Get the best parts from around the world at the best prices with fast shipping and a knowledgeable staff ready to help. Shop online 24-7 at MotivationUSA.com. That's MotivationUSA.com. If you want to know where the path to Formula One and Indy begins, it's three simple letters, VRD. VRD Racing of Atlanta, Georgia are dedicated to nurturing young, single-seater drivers on their quest to the pinnacle of motorsport. Having just wrapped up the team's championship title in 2021 in the F4 US Championship, 
They also have programs in FR Americas, the all-new USF Juniors, and the Road to Indy. VRD is the perfect environment for success. To join the team, drop them a DM on Instagram at velocity underscore RD. Hi, this is Karan Chandok, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Jonathan Green, you got a tweet up that I yeah. find fascinating. My old mate Damon Hill, former world champion and, of course, one of the doyens of the sport, but uh, said some people aren't enjoying this race, which tells me they don't understand Formula One. This is two guys fighting it out to become world champion. It's down to split seconds, and Max is having to have the perfect stop. And and, and Damon's right. If... if and I know it doesn't apply to anybody listening to our show because they know they're Formula One, but it really was, as you say, Sean, an aficionados or a, a you know a purist a race. Purist yeah. race. And I mean, Damon, of course, when he won his title in '96, he was in exactly the same situation. Yes. Where Williams was so far ahead; it was just him against Jack Villeneuve. Yeah. Right. Maybe some people didn't find that very uh, appealing to watch. Okay. Personally, I found it very exciting because when you, when you've got two drivers like this who are actually fighting. You know, it's not it's it's not a procession. It's like, it, you know, like okay, there's a final chess move to come in this game. Who's gonna who's gonna make the winning move? And the not, same was true against Michael Schumacher when he went head to head with him too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Prost and Senna in the yeah. same team. Yeah. If you've got that championship battle, I mean, that was always the thing that was lacking in the Schumacher years is that you knew that the guy in the other car was, was not, not going to get driver. a look in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Good point. All right, guys, I'm just checking to go the grid to see if we missed anybody. Um, we've, we've talked about McLaren. We didn't talk about Piastri. I mean, what do you think about Piastri, Sean? You know, not just today, but this season through five races. Well, I was actually thinking about this when we were just uh, listening to um, Freddie Vasseur there, thinking, well, the only consolation that Ferrari have is they're not McLaren because <laughs> they, they've had a dreadful open to this season. And I'm sure there's a lot of... Yeah. There'll be a lot of teacups <clears throat> smashed against walls, not necessarily George Russell's teacups that we mentioned earlier, but um, yes, it's not, they're not feeling very good, and it's not a situation where Piastri can really demonstrate a great deal. I think the one thing he can do is actually do what George Russell did when he was at Williams um, and maintain stoicism and say and always remain positive. It was always the thing I found impressive about George Russell after he'd spent his entire career wiping the floor with everybody in the junior formula. He then got to Formula One, the car was terrible. And I never heard him complain once. I never heard him say, what is all this about? I, the yeah. team don't know what they're doing. I never heard that. It was always, we made a step forward. We did this. We did this. I think there'll be things that Piastri can learn on the job here that he's never had to learn in his career before, oh, yeah. which will stand him in good stead if he gets the big seat like you know, George Russell has gone yeah. on to get. Yeah, and that was always true of Michael Schumacher, who never said bad things about his team. We win as one. Yeah. We lose as one. I okay. will add the caveat, though, that we hear a lot more of the... Uh, driver to team and vice versa radio conversations and what Michael Schumacher might have shared with Ross Braun back in the in the uh, you know the the tall cotton with Ferrari uh, may have been quite different from what we all now think of as Michael being very protective of his team yes but you're right that that's something that a team wants in a driver you don't want anybody putting what the uh, American coaches would call bulletin board material yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And, yeah. And jensen button was the same his second season well, hey, sorry just speaking of uh, people that never criticize their team uh, always very positive <laughs> at all times someone who will be very positive right now it's good to steiner i've got him in front of me and he's got a point on the board uh kevin magnuson coming home 10th good to are you satisfied with that result seeing as there was there was nothing else it looked like on the on offer today with the the way the race ran yeah, that's correct. With the, if the big teams score the points, there is nothing on offer for the smaller ones, you know. Except, you know, I think we took the fight to, Al to the Alpines in the beginning because I think on a good day we can fight with them, but we are just a little bit uh, uh, slower than them. But uh, uh, all in all, as you say, uh, if there's nothing happening out front, uh, uh, it's difficult to get points. So we got one home. Uh, that's a point again out of five races. We scored three times. So uh, I, I think it's good. We just need uh, maybe one. Uh, at some stage, a lucky day where we get a lot of points, you know, like uh, one of our opponents did a few races ago. They got lucky and scored many. But uh, all in all, you know, it's uh, when you start fourth, you always have got big expectation. And then uh, uh, when you get uh, only one point, it's a little bit, you know, a little bit down. But in the end, we need to be realistic about what the competition is this year and, and get on with it and just try to make the car faster. Yeah, you did uh, see uh, Kevin lose a few positions at the start of the race. I think he was sixth after turn one. But was that also a case of him being careful? He knew that there were was a chance to score points. 
Uh, he was not really happy with his start. To be honest, you know, it wasn't done on purpose. Uh, not a very good start, but uh, you know, you lose a few there. I think he was back to seventh uh, straight away. So uh, obviously that didn't help. But uh, I think the general thing is over the long run, our car seems to be uh, uh, worse behaving in traffic than other ones. That's what the drivers say, because they see other cars going very closed up and they cannot do that. So we need to work on that one. And I think if we figure that one out, we can be a lot stronger, but uh, uh, we, we, we just need to keep on working at it. You were fighting with the Ferraris at times there as well, both drivers having goes. Um, was it fun to uh, take the fight to the red team? Absolutely. I mean, I think everybody enjoys, you know, when a small team like us or a young team like us fights with the big boys, you know, so that was pretty cool. We, we had a fight with the Mercedes as well a little bit, you know, so uh, it was pretty cool. Just we need to make sure that we can do it consistently. And just let's talk about the weekend as a whole here in Miami, a huge event they put on. The race ran clean. It was a strategic one. It was a, an edgy one without kind of controversy or drama. But uh, what do you make of the second edition of the Miami Grand Prix? Uh, 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 everything which was not perfect last time is very good now. You know, never will be perfect because you always can improve, but uh, uh, everything was good. I think the fans enjoyed it. You know, as you say, the race, uh, I think it was interesting. It was pretty good overtaking uh, 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 the whole afternoon. So uh, I think the fans enjoyed it, but also uh, all the entertainment here and uh, what they prepared, the facilities for the teams, they are fantastic here. Uh, and for you as Haas, you must have had a really busy weekend. I bet you're looking forward to an evening off. Yeah, I just want to get home. <laughs> the look on his face as he said that to me, he says to end this interview. So good, to, thank you very much. <laughs> oh, great Thanks, stuff, Chris. He's so fantastic. Well, guys, we are almost out of time. I kind of just want to reflect back on this weekend because, well, first off, we've, we've had a busy weekend. We've been yeah. on the PA and the radio. And, uh, in fact, I've been running back and forth between the two with my little briefcase. And there's this guy in the hallway, and he goes, he said, are, are you carrying the football? And I went, what did he see he's talking about? And he's talking about the presidential the football. Because I've been football. carrying the nuclear football. <clears throat> yeah. Because we've been going back and forth. But, and, of course, the booths are on the opposite side of this yeah. massive well, stadium. Maybe he thought you were lost in the stadium for three days. <laughs> for three days. It wouldn't be the only one, I can assure you. <laughs> yeah. This place is a giant labyrinth, but I, it, it sure feels like a huge success again. It really does. And, and I might, if, if there's any other winners outside of Red Bull, it has to be the organizers and Garfunkel, Stephen Ross, uh, Ip, everybody involved in organizing that. Uh, and the fact that they're already talking about the potential of a, a night race and what they can do next. They've already stepped up from last year. Uh, the crowd, 30,000 more, uh, more opportunity, more freedom for the paddock. The use of the stadium, thrilling. Yeah. Uh, bring the fans Putting in. the paddock oh, inside the stadium. Wonderful, wonderful, brilliant. wonderful. Bob Varsha, what about you? I thought it was terrific. Absolutely. Um, and I've been harping on about this, the whole criticism of the American sense of showmanship and spectacle and entertainment and that sort of thing. But, I mean... A rising tide raises all boats. Not every race has to be like Miami or Austin or the British Grand Prix or Singapore or any of those places. Part of the fun of Formula One is that you have this diversity, all of these uh, different locations, uh, different track challenges, weather challenges. You know, it's, it's a sport. It's, uh, you're faced with a bunch of challenges. You deal with them as best you can. And as Jonathan said at the top of our show, let the best man win. Yeah, and, and I want to follow that up. You know, Formula One is going to country to country, 23 and all, and it's all about bringing what you do best. And America does this best, which is putting on a great show. Formula One does the same show everywhere it goes. But yeah. every country has its chance to show what it right. can do in its own way, and it did it brilliantly today here yeah. in Miami. Well, Sean Kelly, I want to thank you for coming on, and thank you for the brilliant stats. Fantastic to have you. We really appreciate it. Thank we you. want to make sure, everybody, to uh, tune in to the Wheel to Wheels show every Wednesday, Chris and I do. We get up early and record that bad boy. Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern every Wednesday. We'll have that show for you as well. But thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And thanks, everybody, here in the Chase Sapphire Lounge. We appreciate it. And uh, we will talk to you next Sunday. <laughs>
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 